Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. have a really exciting show in store for you guys today. I think you're going to love the guests that I have joining me on this episode. Uh, his name is Frank Urbina of NBA Math. Um, he had a really cool thread on Twitter not too long ago about Ricky Rubio. So for point number one, Frank and I are going to chat about Ricky Rubio, what we think he's going to bring to the Jazz's upcoming season. Then for point number two, we're going to discuss Rudy Gobert, kind of talking about how you know Rubio will affect Gobert, what we think Gobert can accomplish this season, and all that. And then for point three, we're going to take a wider look at the league as a whole and just dive into the three teams um, that we're most excited to see next year or that we're most intrigued by next year to see how they're going to pan out and how they'll turn out um, in the 2017-18 season. So without further ado, let's jump into point number one, and I will welcome Frank Urbina to the show. Point one. All right, my special guest joining me today is Frank Urbina of NBA Math. Uh, Frank, how are you doing today? Uh, great, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Glad you could join us. So, you know, tell me and our viewers, I guess our listeners, I should say, um, a little bit about yourself. How long have you been with NBA Math? Uh, well, they started off this season, so I joined about a couple months in, so since November. Awesome. And I've been a staff writer for them since, yeah. Pretty happy with how things are going so far. Great. Has it been a good experience for you? Yeah, great. The guys over there are awesome. Uh, honestly, like the most hands-on editors I've ever had, so they thought me take the next step as a writer for sure. That's great. Yeah, I know the NBA math has been one of my favorite Twitter follows for quite a while, so um, was glad I could have you on to talk a little bit about the Jazz. So excited to have you. Um, so for point number one, I wanted to visit Frank a little bit about one of the Jazz's newest players, which is Ricky Rubio. And really, I got this idea from that really awesome thread you had on Twitter just over a week ago where you discussed yeah. you know, what Rubio brings to the Jazz. And I wanted you to be able to share some of that insight uh, on the podcast because I thought it was all really well done. So I guess first and foremost, I want to ask you, you know, what do you think the Jazz got by trading for Ricky Rubio and what do you think he's going to bring to that team? Well, I mean, first things first, obviously he's one of the best passers in the NBA. He joined the league in 2011-2012. He's ninth in assists with 2,991. And he's trailing names like John Wall, Steph Curry, James Harden. So obviously an incredible passer. Um, he's one of the better transition and pick and roll ball handlers in the league. Although the, the play types on NBA.com don't really show that because they don't count it factor in assists with those measures for some reason. Um, he makes so many plays in transition and pick and roll. It's honestly nuts. And the reason, like just a quick sidetrack, the reason Carl Anthony Towns had such a huge year last year as a pick and roll role man was because of Rubio's passing. That's a good point. Um, he's uh, also last season with uh, under Thibodeau. Well, I don't know how much Thibodeau had to do with this, but um, he became an above average spot up shooter. So he's. Last season, he was in around the, the 65th percentile, which isn't amazing, but it's above average. So, I mean, it won't just, it won't stifle your offense at all. Um, his pull-up jumper also, like, I know people think he can't shoot at all, but that's, I mean, that's a bit false. Um, pull-up jumpers, he had 42%, 42.6% accuracy, sorry. And that was a better rate than Kyrie and Paul George. So, wow, yeah. although he yeah, although he's still not a great three-point shooter, he's not great at finishing around the rim. He can shoot a little bit, and just to keep the defenses honest and like allow him to throw some of those little slip passes to like to a spot up shooter or to go bear uh, roll into the rim, for example, next year. Um, yeah, but like I said, he's also not very good around the basket, around the rim. Uh, he's been sub fifty percent almost every year of his career, so that is, I mean. Jazz fans may, may get a little frustrated with that, but I, I think that playing with Gobert and playing with Derek Favors, who are two like really, really good screen setters, mm-hmm. that should open up some room for uh, for Rubio to get into the paint a bit more easily and have like easier looks around the basket. So maybe that could become a strength of his next year. It's been a strength, but maybe it won't be as much of a deficiency next season. 
Okay, yeah, you know, I, I think I agree with you 100% that playing with Favors and Gobert is going to be good for him. Um, not only, like you said, with the screens, but I think they're going to be great for the pick and roll with him. It's going to be fun to see him with them. Um, I love, as you said, Frank, the Jazz are getting a guy that averaged, you know, 9.1 assists last season. I mean, he had more assists last year than both Hill and Hayward combined. So it's going to be fun to have a pass-first point guard on the Jazz. I'm excited to see him in that kind of situation. Um, I also wanted to see, you know, do you think that Rubio is due for more improvements? Do you think he gets even better this year, or do you think he's kind of plateaued? Well, yeah, it's hard to say improvements just because he's been in the league for six seasons already, so it's very likely this is just who he's going to be. But at the same time, he's still only 26. He's going to be 27. He's still in his athletic prime. He also took a jump over the last two seasons, like with his shooting, with his finishing around the rim. I know last year it wasn't great, but the year before was like around 50%, which is like reasonable for, for a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, uh, Quinn Snyder is going to be the best offensive coach he's, he's played under ever, like in the NBA at least. Um, and I, I know people like to nitpick the Jazz for like their slow pace and they consider that methodical and stuff, but the stuff Snyder runs in his staff run is really, really advanced and creative. A lot of screens off the ball, a lot of pick and roll stuff. So... Maybe playing under a great head offensive head coach like Snyder um, should it, it could still help him reach the next level. Yeah, I like that. And I mean, you look at his month of March last year, and obviously it was just one month, um, but he put up 17.8 points per game. He shot 47.2% from the field and 43.9% from deep, all while still dishing out 10.4 assists per game. And so, I mean, hopefully he found some sort of rhythm there that he can carry over to next season. Um, obviously, he's been way more healthy the past two years than he was the ones before that. So I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism. Like you said, Frank, maybe he has. Maybe he is kind of is who he is. But there are a few reasons for optimism. It'll be fun to see what uh, Quinn Snyder and the rest of that development staff can do with him. Um, We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think Rubio's biggest strengths are? And how do you think he's going to use those to bolster the Jazz next year? Well, like we covered, his vision, his passing vision is incredible. So his instincts as a passer are great. Um, Maybe playing with him can help a guy out like Rodney Hood, who has been kind of streaky i mean i know personally just because i had him on my fantasy basketball <laughs> yep yeah he started off great and then he like completely fell off a cliff and he, he had his moment so maybe playing next to ruby will help him out um oh and his willingness to push the pace uh that's another really great strength of his although the jazz are kind of a team that do like to slow it down even if they have a bit of a break going they still prefer to bring it back to the half court maybe snyder will um let them run a little bit more with ruby or running point mm-hmm. um he sees, he sees plays that other guards just simply don't, a lot of other guys. I mean, there's a reason he has the ninth most assists over the past six seasons, which is pretty crazy. I mean, it's Ricky Rubio. And uh, his durability the last two years has been has been great. Um, he's missed 13 games over the last two years. That's that's pretty great. And yeah. considering the guy he's replacing, which is uh, George Hill, who's never been all that healthy, uh, I mean, maybe that could help him be an upgrade over Hill. And... Uh, He's also extremely, extremely underrated on defense, just extremely. Maybe he's not a great on-ball defender, but off the ball, he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how you mentioned. I mean, you talked earlier about how he's Ricky Rubio is so great in transition, and I've heard a lot of people kind of speculate that because of that, there's a good chance we could see the Jazz pick up the pace next year and look to run more. And I think with guys like Donovan Mitchell, with Dante Exum, now with Ricky Rubio as well, that that could really fit them to, you know, maybe they do slow it down in the half court when they need to, but they look more actively for those half court opportunities. So I, I agree. I think that'd be awesome to see. Um, you touched on Rubio's defense. And, you know, Dennis Lindsay has also talked about, you know, that he feels like Rubio can be an elite defender. I want your take, Frank. Do you think he is really a, a, that good of a defender? Where does he kind of rank defensively in your mind? 
maybe on the ball he's not he's not exactly elite just because he's I mean he's he's pretty athletic he can move his feet pretty well but not like I don't know elite like like a guy like John Wall can or something. Okay. But uh, at the same time off the ball he's maybe I mean one of the top four or five point guards off the ball. In three of his six years in the NBA, including most recently in 2015, he's uh, led the league in steal rate. And steal rate, so for the people that don't know, it's a percentage of percentage of opponent possessions that end in a steal by the player while he was on the floor. Which is, I mean, that's a crazy stat to lead the league yeah. in. Uh, in, 20, in 2015, 16, he was tied with Tony Allen in that in that facet, and he's wow. like one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, off the ball, he's great just because he the vision and the instincts he uses on offense, he has the same ones on defense. Like, so when an, an opposing point guard's gonna throw a skip pass or something, Rubio can kind of sense it. And he also has really, really strong hands. In that thread that you mentioned that I posted, like a couple of the clips of his steals were like him ripping the ball away from like the Marcus Cousins, like Lamarcus Aldridge, which is yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Do you think that he can contain, you know, some of the best guards in the West, like a Steph Curry, a Russell Westbrook, a James Harden, guys like them? How do you think he matches up against them? Oh, containing those guys is pretty hard, just because they're, I mean, they're incredible, and like the the rules of the league kind of are favored towards offensive players. So like, there's no more hand checking. Like, if if Ruby was a point guard in the '90s, I'd say yeah, he could lock them up just because he's strong enough to like hold them in place. But he can't do it anymore. Yeah. At the same time, he won't be like getting blown by on every single play. So. Maybe not lock them up, but he'll hold his own perfectly. And playing with Gobert defending behind them, that's that's good enough, you know? Yeah, that's going to be a fun combo to watch for sure. So I know we talked a little bit about how one of the pros about Rubio over Hill is that Rubio has been healthier the past couple seasons. But I guess overall, do you think that Rubio makes the Jazz better than George Hill did? What do you think about that? It's, it's tough to say. I mean, the durability matters. But at the same time, we, we mentioned earlier that uh, Rubio has missed games before. So it's not like he's been the model of their ability his entire career. Recently he has been, which is great, mm-hmm. but not always. If he's playing, odds are George Hill might not be just because he's always been so injury-prone. But um, they're, they're different players. George Hill would rather score than, than pass, and he doesn't have the vision Rubio does, which is fine. George Hill is really good in his own right, obviously, and he's a great spot-up shooter. Yeah. They're just different. Um, I think Quinn Snyder is going to be, I mean, he's a great offensive coach. He's going to be, he's going to set up more plays for Gobert to finish out of the pick-and-roll as opposed to more just pick-and-rolls for the for the ball hander to be the scorer in. Because obviously you lose Gordon Hayward, you lose George Hill. Those are two guys that are using screens but are using them to try to find looks for themselves to score like off a mid-range jumper or off a a drive to the rim. So last year I pulled this up. um, Utah had plays finished with the roller, um, like with the ball like in Gobert's hands or in Favre's hands out of the pick and roll, 6.9% frequency, which is like, it was middling. It wasn't great. It wasn't a very high clip. While last year they had... 20.5% 20.5% of their plays out of the pick and roll finish in the ball handler's hands like in, in, go, in um, Hayward or George Hill taking a shot. I think this year we might honestly see if we see that number flip. I think we're going to see 20.5% of frequency for Gobert finishes or favorites finishes in the rim as opposed to Rubio trying to score out of it, obviously. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they have they have just such different strengths. And I, I mean, Quinn is a great coach, so he's going to get it figured out himself, obviously. But, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to know for sure. It's, it's tough to say. Just the durability factor, though, I might lean towards Rubio being an improvement. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, too, I mean, if you would have taken George Hill, how he played in 15-16, in 
I mean, he was only averaging, you know, 12.1 points per game that season. Obviously, he was playing behind Paul George. If you had taken that George Hill and put him on the Jazz, I mean, you could argue that Rubio is very comparative uh, or comparable to how that George Hill was. So a lot of it, I think, depends on how well Rubio fits into the system. If he can take a leap this year, kind of like George Hill did last year, uh, the Jazz can be a good shape. They're different players. You know, Rubio's stats aren't going to be exactly the same as George Hill's were, um, but his assists are certainly going to be higher. And I think in a lot of ways, he could mesh maybe even better than Hill did. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, any final thoughts or predictions do you have about Ricky Rubio next season, Frank? Um, I think he'll see a career high in efficiency. Uh, last year, he averaged 11.1 points and about nine assists a game. I think those the raw the raw numbers will go down just because Utah does run a slower pace. But I think he'll see much more efficiency just using screens off um, off of two behemoths like Favors and, and Gobert. He might get easier looks around around the rim. He can use his pull up jumper a little bit more. So last year, he shot, I believe he shot forty percent. I'll predict he shoots forty five percent this year, and he averages ten assists and or eight assists and about ten points a game, which is which is fine. That's what you want out of your out of your point guard, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Those are good numbers to have. You know, he, they were not bringing him in to be the the new leading scorer. Um, we're hoping that he can get everybody else involved. So that's going to be awesome to see. So. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate that insight on on Ricky Rubio, Frank. Let's move on now. Move on now to point number two, uh, where we'll chat about Rudy Gobert. Point two. All right, for point number two, I want to talk about another jazz man. Um, obviously, he's not new like Ricky Rubio is, but um, we wanted to visit about Rudy Gobert. Had an excellent year last year, and you know, Frank, in that thread. Um, that you had about Ricky Rubio. I really liked your last sentence. Um, I won't give it away yet because I'm going to ask you about it. Um, but do you think the Jazz, did they lose their best player when Hayward left? Or do you think Gobert was their best player all along? What are your thoughts there? I mean, maybe not all along, but last year, I think, if you look at any measure or any metric, any advanced metric, uh, Gobert was the best player on the Jazz. Um, I, I won't get too into the numbers just because that's annoying to listen to on the podcast, but <laughs> Gobert finished just for a... Uh, hints of how good he was last year he finished second in overall win shares just to James Harden which yeah. is I mean it's insane because I mean win shares are broken up into offensive and defensive so overall he was the second best player according to that stat and uh addition additionally to that um when Gobert was on the when Gobert was on the floor without Hayward last year the Jazz had a plus 5.6 net rating and when Hayward was on the floor without Gobert they had a negative 7.9 net rating which is which isn't totally fair just because the backup to Gobert wasn't as good as like I mean, Utah has a lot of wing players and a lot of wing scorers. So, yeah. So yeah. So go Hayward sitting didn't hurt them as much, but still, I mean, that's a pretty jarring, a pretty stark difference, you know. Yeah. No, that that is way. That's a bigger difference than I even thought. Uh, and that kind of goes along with what I kind of think that for a long time, you know, maybe you can argue that Hayward was their best player. But for a long time, I've called Gobert their most important player. I mean, I just feel like Hayward's skill set, while it's it's formidable and while it's good, it's pretty replaceable. Um, but Gobert's is really, it's something that can't be replaced. Um, oh, yeah, not at all. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Back when the Jazz were getting ready to play Oklahoma City in the regular season, I remember that the news came out that Gobert was going to miss that game. And so I, I actually put out just kind of a funny tweet out where it was like, um, if Derek Favors misses a game, you know, we're used to that. If Rodney Hood misses a game, we'll be okay. If Hayward misses a game, you know, we can still win it. But if Gobert misses the game, kind of the automatic sentiment is, okay, we're screwed. <laughs> and so yeah, absolutely. That, he's, that's, he's, he's so talented. Yeah, so um, really I think his defense speaks for himself. You touched on some of his, you know, advanced stats. You know, he also led the league in defensive real plus minus, in defensive win shares, defensive rating, and block percentage. He was number one in all of those, so I think that really makes him stand out. Um, but what else is it about Rudy's game that you think makes him so special? Why is he so important to this Jazz team? Well, um, 
Utah had an elite defense last year. I'm pretty sure they were third in, in defensive rating, but not positive. Um, and that's because they built their entire scheme around Rudy Gobert. Um, they don't allow many corner threes, which is like one of the most efficient shots in basketball. And that's because Utah's players can crash out to the three-point line, get guys to run off of it, and then they have a monster behemoth waiting down low on Gobert defensively. Um, I think he's got really quick feet for a guy who's like seven foot three and weighs like 275 pounds or whatever yeah. he does. It's, it's honestly absurd. I mean, I know there was a little clip of Steph Curry spinning him around, but I mean, Steph Curry's arguably one of the five greatest offensive players of all time. So yeah. I mean, he does that to everyone. So people shouldn't take that as, oh, Gobert can't switch or Gobert can't come to the ball outside. He doesn't love to do it, but he can, he can ably show on pick and rolls and, and get back to his man and, and rebound and stuff. So he's, he's just, so special and so talented for a man his size it's, it's insane and also um his touch around the rim this past season was is probably why he became such a monster offensively um before last season he was like i don't have the exact number on me but i remember he finished plays around the rim at a lower clip than rajon rondo which is insane and this year he was one of the most efficient scorers in the paint so his, his improved touch and his, his quick feet and stuff it just makes him such a special special talent yeah, definitely. It's kind of funny you mentioned all that whole that whole clip with you know Steph Curry kind of turning him around, and it's funny how you know a guy can do so many things great and have so many highlight plays, but it's always the one where they look stupid that ends up going viral. No, it's, you know, it's and, so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It's so frustrating. and I would say you know um, you touched on the Jazz's defense and you touched on uh, Rudy Gobert's defense. And, you know, so many fans, especially casual fans, when they're watching the game, they want to see these high-power offenses. They want to see all this scoring. But I know that for me, and I'm sure, you know, for a basketball junkie like yourself, Frank, I know that I really love watching these defenses that are just so good. To me, defense is just such a whole different animal, and it's, it's so fun to watch a good defense at work. So I love that about Rudy. I love that about the Jazz. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch. As a, as a non-Jazz fan, I love watching the Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then I wanted to ask you, do you think that Gobert, you know, obviously last year he took a huge leap. It was almost, you know, more than people expected of him. Do you think he can take another leap this year? And then what do you think his game's going to look like, you know, without Hayward and with Rubio in the mix? He could take another leap just because I think Snyder is going to be smart enough to, like, make him more the focus on offense. So maybe he's going to set less screens for assists and like set less screens for the ball handler to score and stuff. But um, he's going to keep finishing at the same clip. So if he gets more opportunities from there, then he's going to average more points, obviously. Uh, last year, over the last 40 games of the season, he averaged 16 points and 14 rebounds and nearly three blocks a game. I think over the next year, he can do the same. Maybe improve on the points even a little bit. I'm, I'm not confident that playing next to Rubio stuff is going to open up a lot for him in the, in the pick and roll and stuff. And I think Snyder's going to be smart enough to make him the focus, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree with you that I think he can take a leap, but a lot of it's going to be, you know, one, because he's going to have a bigger role. And then two, like you said, Snyder's going to really focus on giving him those touches. The other good thing about him is he is only 25 years old. You know, he has the work ethic. He has the desire to improve. That's one thing I just love about, yeah, I love about Gobert is that he has always showed, you know, a, a will to win. And he's really showed a fearlessness. I mean, even if somebody, you know, beats him one time to the hole, he's not going to hang his head. He's just going to be determined to come back and swat him the next time down the floor. So there's a lot of things about his game, you know, both from a physical aspect and just from a mental aspect that I love about him. So I think we could see him get better. I think it's going to be fun seeing him with, with Rubio. I think there's going to be some fun dishes, some fun lobs. And um, one thing I wanted to touch on that I think was a big improvement that was kind of understated about Gobert last year was he got so much better at simply catching the ball. Because early, early in his career, that was something he struggled with. He couldn't get those quick passes. And last year, he was so much better at that, and that helped his offense. So if he can even improve those little things like that again this year, I think it's going to be huge for him. Absolutely. 
Um, so I guess then wrapping up with Rudy Gobert, what are your predictions about his season next year? I know we've talked a little bit about it, but where do you see him standing next year um, at the end of 2017-18? Uh, he'll be standing with the defensive player of the year trophy, the one that he was robbed of this past year. No, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> I, I love to hear that. I think he's going to have another great year. I think he's going to average about 16 points, 14 boards, maybe a little bit more. At least, I think he, I think he's going to score more than people think for sure. I mean, just because there's going to be more of the onus for him for him to score, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think he's finally going to be the first team All-NBA center. I believe it was DeAndre Jordan last year, right? Um, I'm 95% sure it was. Wasn't, it, guess, wasn't I, it Anthony Davis that ended up getting pinned as a center? Oh, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, if they're going to vote like that, then it might be Anthony Davis. But Gobert's going to challenge for that spot for sure. I think he's going to have a spectacular year. And I think the fact that the Jazz, I mean, in my opinion, I think they're going to overperform to people's expectations. I think uh, that might help Gobert win some votes for first team All-NBA. Awesome, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I actually had Rudy down exact same thing as you said, Frank. I had him down for 16 points per game. I think that's very doable with the expanded role and based on what we saw, you know, like I said, the last half of last year. And I may be a homer, but I, I do think that Rudy Gobert is going to be able to help lead the Jazz to a playoff spot. Don't think they'll be the fifth seed like last year, but I do think they'll sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Awesome. Cool. So with that, let's move on now to point number three. Uh, we're going to branch out a little bit and, and look a little bit more across the league. Point three. So for point number three, uh, Frank and I wanted to kind of branch out a little bit and look at the league as a whole and talk about the three teams from around the league that you know aren't necessarily going to be the best next year, but just the three that we're most intrigued by, the three that we most are looking forward to keep an eye on next season. So Frank, uh, for you, what are those three teams you're looking forward to, to watching next year? Okay, just to preface my third uh, team that I picked here, I want to say that I'm a huge horror movie buff and I enjoy true crime podcasts all. I've been watching things that are like kind of like train wrecks. So I'm going to lead off with the Chicago Bulls. Just because I think they're going to be just horrifically bad next year. So that should be interesting. Yep. Um, with all the recent news and all the drama and stuff, my second team is the Cavs. Just because, I mean, even if they keep Kyrie, and actually if they keep Kyrie, it'd be even more interesting than if they traded him. That's true. Either way, it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating uh, season for them. Yeah. And then number one, I have the Timberwolves. Just because their addition to Jimmy Butler was incredible was a fleecing of the bulls who i already talked about and uh yeah they should be really fun to watch yeah yeah i agree with that one um obviously i'm not going to include the jazz in this because we've talked about them in detail they're obviously the team that i'm the biggest fan of but the three i'm most intrigued by uh for me it's the oklahoma city thunder i'm really excited to see you know paul george and russell westbrook together um the next one is the the houston rockets I want to see if the, the Chris Paul and the James Harden experiment can work together. And then kind of going off of the Oklahoma City one, I'm also really excited to see the Pacers, uh, mostly because I'm excited for that Miles Turner show in Indy. So let's just go one by one. Talk to me about the Bulls. What do you kind of expect for them next year? Why are you intrigued by them? What do you think is going to come of them? Well, just to, for, for a franchise to continuously trade their better players for, for, for a point guard who can't shoot, <laughs> to, give away, to give away draft picks while you're doing that. I mean, I know they're trying to tank, but at the same time, they're going about it like in a horrifically bad way. Um, I want. I mean, I'm curious to see if they even crack 20 wins. Just because I don't. I obviously they're tanking, so I want to. I have a feeling. I like the Zach Levine pickup for them, but I have a feeling they're not going to play him this year just because he's coming off the torn ACL. They'd be, they'd be smart to not rush him back. Yeah. And um, I also want to see if they're going to buy out Wade as we all expect them to do by the by the buyout deadline. And like just to jump off of that, I want to see where Wade goes. I mean, maybe he'll join the Heat again because they do have. The Miami Heat have a $4 million exception that they're saving and everyone thinks around here at least thinks that they're doing so for to bring back Wade. Or if he joins the Cavs and tries to 
take a ring back for LeBron and uh, away from the Warriors. But yeah, they're just going to be so bad. It's going to be honestly kind of fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of storylines that I hadn't thought of. And, you know, with Zach Levine, you know, I I like him too. I think he's a decent pickup for him. Uh, But he really, when he went down last year, the Wolves actually played better in some ways without him. So it'd be interesting to see how he fits in on the Bulls long term. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would have been interesting to see him healthy just because on a, on a bad team with, like, no one else, and then after if they get rid of Wade, he would have been taking at least 25 shots a game. And yeah. if, he could, if he could maintain the efficiency he had last year, because he wasn't that inefficient, he, he might have been dropping 25 points a night for a 40-game stretch, and it would have been fun to watch, along with the dunks and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, um, they're going to be pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for my, my team, the first one I brought up, I'm actually really excited to see uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook team up on the Thunder um, most of all, you know, I think they can be really good. Obviously, Paul George isn't as good as Kevin Durant, but I do think he is better defensively. The thing that's going to be interesting to me is obviously Paul George had, you know, some issues in Indy with feeling like he wasn't getting enough touches. And now he's going to be teammates with Russell Westbrook, who is the king of touches. So, yeah, that's going to be my biggest question is how can those two coexist? Are they going to be a one-two punch like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were, but maybe a little better defensively? Maybe they do have better chemistry? Or is it going to end up being a train wreck? I don't know. I'm excited to see those two together. It has potential for for train wreck, too. But at the same time, Paul George is a pretty good spot-up shooter statistically. So if he buys into his role as maybe being 1A or 1B to Russell Westbrook's 1A, maybe they could figure it out, you know? Yeah, I think that has to be the case. I mean, Paul George has to accept that he he is the number two. I mean, there's no way around that. Westbrook is the best player on that team. That is his team. And while Paul George is an awesome addition for them, hypothetically, he's going to have to face that reality if they're going to have success from a chemistry standpoint, I think. It's tough because they're just both huge personalities. Like we've seen over the past few years, yeah. those guys want the ball, they want to shoot, you know. So it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Completely agree. Yeah, definitely. All right, how about your second team? Uh, my second team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it might be kind of a boring pick just because they made the NBA Finals the last three years and LeBron's made it the last, whatever, six or seven. Yeah. But uh, the whole all the Kyrie drama is just kind of fascinating, you know? Uh, kind of like how I like the train wreck of the Bulls. I think the Cavs might be a train wreck, you know? One of the problems with the Cavs was uh, J.R. Smith. He was completely... He was locked in in 2015 or in 2016 when they beat the Warriors. But last year, he just... For, different, for a variety of reasons, some personal that we shouldn't probably touch on, um, he wasn't the same player. And his explosiveness as a scorer was huge for them. Um, besides that, uh, Shump was also kind of a kind of a mess. They were trying to trade him. Um, but more than anything, I want to see them if... Actually, more than anything, I want to see them if they keep Kyrie because the training camp drama is going to be hilarious. We're going to yeah. hear the league reports every single day, you know. I, I thought the situation was salvageable until I saw him partying with uh, Steph and having fun with him mocking LeBron and let's be honest I mean I'm I've grown up in Miami so I, I've w- watched LeBron's career pretty closely yeah. LeBron's a sensitive guy he hates getting made fun of so to watch his teammate is like the Robin to his Batman making fun of him with his biggest rival who he hates LeBron hates Stephen Curry so that, that probably made the situation a little too volatile for them to bring it back but I hope they do just because that would make it even more of an interesting watch but at the same time if they trade him and they bring back a package like let's say Eric Bledsoe and a couple of wings from, from Phoenix It'll be just. It'll be interesting to see how they how they mesh and how they figure it out. Eric, Bre- Eric Bledsoe's really good. They should still. They probably will still win the East, but it'll be interesting to watch. You know, just for for an elite team to shift their their team around like that before their fourth year together is, is pretty strange, honestly. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. You know, some of the stuff Kyrie's been up to has been almost like appalling to me, just just shocking to me that it's like, wow, is he really doing that? 
and yeah, no, yeah, the party video was was the final straw. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, and I just think, I mean, if he is back on their team to start next year, like I could even see the Cleveland fans booing him, like in their own arena. Like it's gonna be so weird if they don't trade yeah. him before the season starts. And I mean, that could be intriguing. But you know, I think there's also a possibility that depending on what they get in return, you know, maybe the Cavs even get a tiny bit better. I mean, Kyrie's a great player, but if they can add some depth and a serviceable point guard like Eric Bledsoe, like you said, it could end up being a plus for them. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. So I love that you picked them as one of your teams you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I agree, actually, just to quickly respond to that. Um, if, they, if they pick up a decent point guard like Bledsoe, like I said, Miami was one of his preferred teams. If they pick up a drive, they can adjust this win, so and a shooter like Wayne Ellington, it's possible they do get better. So maybe this it'll all work out for the best for them. Yeah, yeah, it's a very real possibility. Um, so the other team I wanted to chat about was the Houston Rockets. And kind of for a similar reason as Paul George and Russell Westbrook on the Thunder is I think the Rockets have two guys that are both obviously extremely talented in Chris Paul and James Harden. But I'm interested to see if those two can work together, if they can make it happen. Obviously, they both both had really high usage percentages last year. Um, you know, I think that Mike D'Antoni really exceeded expectations last year. And can he do it again? Will they have enough defense? Will they have enough chemistry? I just don't know what to make of the Rockets. It's going to be interesting to see how they pan out. Totally agree with that one for sure. And, and I mean, Harden just had his best year statistically playing point guard. I think he finished second second in the MVP voting, or he was pretty close to the top. Yeah. And now they're taking him. They're probably going to take the ball out of his hands a lot. So we'll see how he responds because he's kind of a a head case too. Uh, maybe he won't like it, you know? Yeah, no, that was my initial thought too, Frank, was when they added Chris Paul, I was like, well, didn't the Rockets just revolutionize themselves by having James Harden play point guard? And now you're going to throw another all-star point guard into the mix? Like, how is that going to work? How is it going to come together? So that one, there's a lot of question marks there for me. It could be really good, but um, I know a lot of people are picking the Rockets to be second in the West, which maybe they will be, but I could see them having some issues there and maybe not getting being as good as people are pinning them at. I could see that too, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, how about your third team you're looking forward to watch this year? Uh, my third team is the Timberwolves, since they uh, pulled off the fleecing of the century by taking Jimmy Butler away <laughs> from, from the Bulls for basically nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they had, I believe, the second-best offseason, according to NBA Mads total points out of statistic. Uh, Jimmy Butler last season finished sixth in that metric with 384 points, and he outpaced guys like Kevin Durant, like Jokic, like Chris Paul, like Cousins. So, I mean, in my opinion, last year he became a top 10 player. So, and then you pair that with a guy like Towns, who he started off last year kind of slowly, and then he ended up, people thought maybe he didn't reach that next level last year, and that'd be completely wrong. He averaged 26 points and 13 rebounds last year, and he was 21 years old, which is honestly completely insane. So, if he takes a modicum of a jump, and they have Jimmy Butler um, around as well, they might be really, really freaking good, just because of, of that duo. I don't love Andrew Wiggins. I mean, I guess that's kind of cliche, since I'm a... I enjoy analytics a lot. And he's like every, every analytic pretty much hates him, but I don't. He's, he's he's a great scorer, but he just doesn't do anything else. He's six foot eight. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't defend. He falls asleep on um, back cuts. Yeah. I don't love him. Um, I would have liked them with George Hill instead of Jeff Teague, but Jeff Teague's. I mean, he's a, he's a decent point guard. I mean, I don't I don't think they improve much of that position though, because like I said earlier, I love Rubio. I think he's a great player. So I don't know if that was much of an improvement, but Thibodeau had it set to just get rid of Rubio for whatever reason. But at the same time, they also picked up Taj Gibson. My, my one concern with them is the fact that Thibodeau seems to be stuck in like 2008 and he wants to play tr- two traditional bigs at all times. Yeah. And if, if, they're, if they had a stretch for like Patrick Patterson instead of Taj Gibson playing next to Towns, that would open up so much for their offense. But I think they're going to play 
probably start Townsend Jiang, bring Taj Gibson off the bench to play next to Townsend as opposed to just the center. So I don't know. Just I don't love Thibodeau as an offensive coach. I guess as a coach overall, pretty much. I mean, that might be kind of a hot take. He's great defensively, but <laughs> I'm worried about I'm worried about their overall ceiling if they're going to be playing a 2008 style of basketball in 2017. You know. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And you know, as far as Thibodeau goes, I, you know, I would say I thought the Timberwolves underachieved last year. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but I did think they'd be better than 13th in the West. So oh, that was a horrible year for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think there is a there is some valid concerns there. Um, for them next year, you know, I worry about their spacing. You know, who's going to be their knockdown three point shooters on that team? Um, Teague, I guess, has been a decent three point shooter in in some points of his career, um, but he's been pretty streaky as well. So, going to be interesting. I think they'll be a good team. I do have them making the playoffs this year. Um, you know, especially with Jimmy Butler in the mix, but they're going to be interesting to watch. No, no doubt about that one. For sure, and we didn't even mention their most hilarious pickup, which was Jamal Crawford. I, That's I didn't true. understand that. I guess they, I guess they expect him to be the spot shooter, but he's never been a guy who just stands there and shoots. He's been a guy who wants to pick, he wants to dribble the ball, he wants to go ISO. I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, just it's crazy that for having such a great offseason by picking up Butler, they could have made so many average to sub-average, you know, uh, moves around it. They could have done a lot better to finish up the rest of that roster. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, then my last one that I want to talk about. So. Um, again, I guess it's kind of playing off the Oklahoma City move again. I'm interested to see the Indiana Pacers. Um, they are a team that I like, and it's going to be weird to see how they bounce back without Paul George, a franchise player. Uh, Miles Turner is one of my favorite guys in the league. I think he's very underrated. Um, I kind of blame Coach McMillan for this, but I do feel like he was also uh, very poorly utilized last year. I think he was underutilized. So I'm hoping that that changes, and I'm interested to see what Miles Turner can become this year. Um, I was reading a recent article on a fa- FanRag Sports um, this week that had Miles Turner pinned as the most likely guy to win uh, Most Improved Player of the Year. We'll see if that ends up being the case. But I think he has that potential. I think he's a great underrated guy. I'm excited to see what he does now that he's kind of going to be the face of that team, face of that franchise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Turner, he, he's such a unique talent because he's athletic and he's big, but he can shoot threes and he can block shots. And it's hard to find guys who do both of those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know how I mentioned earlier that the Bulls had the worst offseason by that one NBA math metric? The Pacers had the second worst offseason. Yep. So, I mean, they're going to be pretty bad. But yeah, like you said, it's going to be fun to watch Turner. I just also don't understand why they fired Frank Vogel with the pretense that they wanted to play faster. And then they followed that up by hiring Nate McMillan, yep. whose teams never play fast. And they're always like, want to be defensive behemoths but they're really not i don't i don't love that pick. i didn't love that head coach hiring but uh yeah they should be interesting to watch for sure yeah no i agree with you there i mean i, I was always a big fan of frank vogel i thought he got kind of dealt a bad hand um especially with what happened that final year he was there um uh, but i mean it, it's going to be interesting to see they have a few guys that i like i mean i, I really like Corey joseph not that he's an amazing player but I, I like what he brings to the table i feel like if they had like and I know that they just lost a big star, but if they had like two stars there all of a sudden out of nowhere, they'd have a really nice, you know, well-rounded group of like bench players and solid like dirty work role players. But they don't have those stars, so like I said, they're probably not going to be very good. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how they pan out. Yeah, their their bench and dirty role players are going to be starters. So yeah, yep, yep, there you go. Yep, that's the problem they're facing. But <laughs> but at the same time, it, they probably made the right move by uh, tanking this year because the top of the 2018 draft looks absolutely absurd. So yeah. if they land like a Luka Doncic or uh, Michael Porter, I mean, that, that would be their one star right away. And those are guys that probably will be able to contribute in their first year. So they, they made the right call blowing it up for sure. Maybe yeah. not for that package, though. It's crazy to trade Paul George and not get a first-round pick. Yeah. At least a first-round pick in return. 
that was the craziest thing to me. I mean, Oladipo and Sabonis, I mean, fine, they're decent players, whatever, but to just not get a pick at all, that just really blew my mind. I couldn't believe they didn't at least get one first-round pick out of him. It was it, it was a trade made out of spy, I believe, honestly. They just didn't yeah. want to trade it to Cleveland it, just to keep him out of the conference, so they traded him to the best offer they got from the West from the Western Conference. And yeah. We'll see how it works out for them. Yeah, which, which honestly, just, just wrapping up that, I think that's totally dumb. I mean, you know you're not going to be a good team next year. Why are you even worried about if he's making you know a division rival better? Why do you care? I mean, chances are he's going to go to L.A. anyway. You're not going anywhere next year, so why do you care if the if that rival team or, or you know kind of a rival team is better than you? It has no real big impact on you. Why aren't you looking to make yourself as good as possible? I just think that whole scenario is pretty weird. But Yeah, I think, well, I think LeBron and Paul George – probably are going to LA next year maybe not for sure I mean do you think LeBron's staying in Cleveland next year I mean, I, when the when the reports first came out about the LA news, I was pretty skeptical. But like more and more, I'm starting to believe it. I would not be surprised at all if he abandoned ship. That it's turned into a mess. You know, starting with the David Griffin stuff, I would not be surprised to see him say, "You know what? I'm done here. <laughs> I'm going to go team up with some yeah, more players." And, to Cleveland, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's done his due diligence there, and I'm going to go try to win another ring in LA. Kind of beat the Warriors over here. I don't know. I would not be surprised to see him leave. I guess I'll say. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today, Frank. Um, really appreciate you joining the show. Um, love your insight on Ricky Rubio. Want to make sure for everybody listening out there that you follow uh, Frank on Twitter. Um, his handle is just at Frank Urbina. That's U-R-B-I-N-A. Um, and then with an underscore after that. So make sure you're following him on Twitter. Has a lot of great stuff. Make sure you're following NBA Math as well. Um, also, just want to get a plug out there to make sure you're following the Three Point Threat Podcast, which is at 3P Threat Podcast. Frank, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Really loved having you on. Yeah, for sure. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll be in touch. And until next time, everybody, so long.